This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Can you imagine being abandoned, being a woman alone in a strange city, a port city, and just being abandoned without knowing a soul in that city? Well, that's what happened. That's what happened to St. Monica. Her story is really amazing, and it gives us a lot to think about. So when I'm speaking of St. Monica, I'm talking about St. Augustine's mother. She was born in uh, 331 or 332 AD in Thagast, North Africa, which would be modern day Algeria. And so think about this timing when she was born. She was born just when Christianity is becoming legal and accepted and starting to spread. But the generation before her had suffered horrible persecution. So we're right where history is really changing at the time that she's born. She grew up as a Christian girl and she learned about the faith through the family's maidservant. She was an elderly woman. She may have been persecuted herself and she learned about that. She learned from her maidservant and she also learned from her father. Now, As a teenager, this is interesting, people don't necessarily realize this about St. Monica. Uh, As a teenager, St. Monica was a sneak drinker. She liked to drink alcohol, the wine. Yeah, she used to do that. So when she was probably 13 or, or 14, something like that, she had an arranged marriage and it was to a man named Patricius. He was not a Christian. He was quite a bit older than her. He was a womanizer. He was an alcoholic. And he was violent. He he beat her up sometimes. He was physical. Why her Christian family married her to a pagan? Because he wasn't Christian at all. I do not know why they did that. And St. Augustine, in his his confessions, he didn't tell us. So we just don't know. But that was her, that was her reality. And then she had to move in with her husband's family and they weren't Christian. It was really, really hard. But eventually she won her mother-in-law's love and respect. And she was a blessing to their family. But at first they were really hard on her. I can't imagine being a young girl thrown into that kind of being raised as a Christian and thrown into a pagan home where the people didn't like you and your husband was really a creep. I mean, it's just, what a nightmare, right? Well, she, as a woman, a young woman, she went to church uh, about twice a day. 
she went there for mass and then she went also for other activities and um, people saw her praying all the time and often praying with tears because her situation, you know, just wasn't good. But as she matured and whatnot, she really took the Christian practice to, to heart. She was known to never, ever, ever gossip. She just never gossiped. And so people, neighbors and whatnot, when they would have a dispute or something, they would come to her because they knew that she would keep a confidence. That's really a good trait to have that, that people believe about you, that you could keep any confidence and she gave great advice. So they would solicit her. So here she is, this young woman, a Christian goes to church, cries a lot, kind of an abusive situation and people come to her for advice and help. She earned the respect of her neighbors. So around the age of 23, she gave birth to Augustine. And then after Augustine, she had another son and she also had a daughter. But Augustine, you know, he was obviously a child prodigy. Um, he went to Carthage at 17 years old so that to study in this, you know, bustling metropolis. And, and because of his, you know, because he was so smart and somebody sponsored him. He like had a scholarship because he was just a standout, you know. And but during that time, he lost his faith. Everything that, you know, he had learned from his mother, he lost his faith. And so he returns home five years later. He's 22 now. He returns home and he's lost his faith. He brings with him a mistress and an illegitimate son. The son's name is Adidatus. Anyway, by this time, uh, Monica's husband had died. And what's interesting about it is that when he died, he converted. He converted a year before he died. So it wasn't, you know, the deathbed conversion, I want to make sure that I'm saved or something false about it. No, he converted quite a while before his actual death. And so her life, she won him, she won him over. And now, now she's got to deal with Augustine coming back with his mistress and, and an illegitimate grandchild. And so what happens is she, she's still got a couple kids in the house. You know, she's got her son, her other son and a daughter, and she cannot abide Augustine. He's arrogant. He knows everything. He's teaching her children, her other children to leave the faith, et cetera. So she ends up kicking him out. Long story short, he's going to, to leave and he decides to go to Rome because he needs to go to Rome where, where the action is. You know, he's, he's really good at rhetoric. He's going to go make his name known, etc. He's going to go. Well, in the meantime, Monica dreamed that he would come back to the faith. So she hung on to that dream. And um, when he decided to go, and she's free to go because her, her other children are grown and her husband is gone, she convinces him to take her along. So they go to a port city and they're going to sail for Rome. So the girlfriend, uh, Augustine's son and Monica. So he, he leaves her at a chapel because the tide is not right for sailing. So he leaves her at a chapel. He says, I'm going to come back for you. And I'm going to read from, from his confessions exactly what he did. 
quote, but I deceived her, his mother, Monica, pretending that I had a friend whom I could not leave until he had a favorable wind to set sail. I lied to my mother and such a mother and got away. I persuaded her to remain that night in a place quite close to our ship where there was a chapel in the memory of blessed Cyprian. That night I secretly left. The wind blew and filled our sails and withdrew the shore from our sight. She, his mother, wild with grief, was there in the morning and filled your ears, he's speaking to God, so filled your your ears, God, with complaints and groans. That's how she ended up in a port city all by herself. And he left while she was praying. You know, sometimes we're praying and things don't go the way we're praying. They hope, you know, what we're praying for, it's the opposite happens. We have to persevere in this. So what happens is that she finds some local Christians and takes care of herself somehow. We don't know all the details, but then she finds a way to sail after him. She goes after him to Rome and on the ship again, her character as, as someone to come to for hope and, and encouragement and advice, her faith, there's a big storm and the passengers and the sailors are coming to her for comfort. It, that's just the way it was. She must have had this natural leadership ability because that's the way it was for Monica. People did come to her. Anyway, when she got to Rome, he wasn't there. He had gone on to Milan. So she follows him to Milan. Anyway, does that sound a little dysfunctional? I mean, he's trying to leave and she's following him and she's preaching at him and you're not Christian. You're living the wrong way. He was into all all the fads of the time and very much, you know, living a sinful life and still had the girlfriend, you know, with him. And he really had um, a problem with sexual sin that was very excessive. And he confesses that in his in his confessions. But anyway, so she goes to Milan and she finds him. Well, what happens in Milan is that she's not invited to stay with him. I mean, she's not she's not to live with him and his girlfriend. So she ends up in with a group of Christians and there's St. Ambrose there leading them or he's Bishop Ambrose at the time leading them. And they come across quite a few persecutions and she's in on that, that difficult time for Bishop Ambrose, part of that community. And Augustine's kind of watching from the sidelines. And we're so familiar sometimes with this uh, quote. She's crying and Bishop Ambrose says to her, a son of so many tears cannot be lost. We've heard that quote before by him, like she prayed and cried and this and that. But the truth is that he gave her some really good advice. He said to her, Because, you know, he was kind of well-known now. He was making a name for himself, and Ambrose knew who he was. He said to Monica, talk to Augustine less about God and talk to God more about Augustine. In other words, stop nagging. You're not the one. Sometimes if we have a, a wayward child, a relative, a friend, especially relatives, we think we're the one that should convert them and tell them what they need to be doing. And we're not the right person for the job. They're not going to hear it from us. Augustine heard it from Ambrose because he would debate and Ambrose could debate with him. And, and this led to his eventual conversion. We know he became a great 
uh, Christian and a doctor of the church and this selfish attitude that he had where he was he was just really selfish person, you know, where he didn't care about anybody but himself. Then he, you know, really comes to appreciate his mother and love her very much. When she died, he just wept openly and he wanted to know, you know, should we take your body back to Africa? No, she said she her both her sons were with her when she died. She said, no, but pray the Holy Mass for me. Every opportunity, pray the Holy Mass for me. That's what she wanted. So Monica is a good example of kind of getting it wrong before she got it right. Like she was she wasn't going about it the right way, you know, somewhat dysfunctional, following her son everywhere, preaching to him. And when Ambrose told her, talk to Augustine less about God and talk to God more about Augustine. That was really good advice. And it's good advice for all of us. Anyway, St. Monica did. She was blessed to see the conversion of her son. And they did have a beautiful relationship after that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.